Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. It's Friday, March 9th, 2018. Our weekly guest on the show is Andrew Albanese. He joins me today from New York City and the offices of Publishers Weekly, where he is a senior writer. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So this week in New York City, Andrew, PW and NYU School of Professional Studies hosted the second annual PubTech Connect, a one-day conference billed as a conversation about using technology, inventive tactics, and smart strategies to boost publishing businesses and their brands. And listeners can read all about that day on the PW website and in Monday's issue. What were some of the highlights? Sure. You know, so as you say, this is the second year now for PubTech Connect. You know, it's a one-day seminar, and it features some of the big players in digital media and in the publishing space, and I think it's really starting to show uh, its potential. You know, in starting the show, what we'd hope to do is bring together this wide range of new media and uh, let's call them legacy media together in a room to talk about their strategies and successes and failures and their impressions of where things are heading in this ever-changing world we call publishing. And these included representatives from companies like Vox Media and Thrillist to The Atlantic and The New York Times, and of course, there were book publishers there as well. Uh, and you know, it feels like so much of what we've discussed in recent months on this show has been about print books and about the resurgence of print or whether Barnes and Noble can find a successful new strategy to sell those print books. But what we wanted to do with PubTech Connect is really highlight the disruptors, the change agents, you know, and the opportunities and challenges of working in media today. And, you know, some of this might not be actionable right away for publishers, but without question, we think these are necessary conversations. And occasionally you'd find a panel on this kind of stuff at the old digital book world show. But we thought about how we would program this stuff today. If we were going to start from scratch and reprogram all of this, how would that look? And now in its second year, we think our experience is validating that approach because we had over 200 attendees for this one-day conference. Uh, and the day was really informative and entertaining as speakers addressed the importance of learning how to use those emerging technologies, including a pronounced emphasis on podcasting, you'll be happy to know. And of course, sensible and the word that got thrown around around yesterday was authentic ways to serve an existing or even to develop a new audience. Well, it is interesting to hear about podcasting. We are in our 12th year here on Beyond the Book, and it's interesting to see how new media keep coming up for discussions as if they were just invented yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the most popular panels we had yesterday was one that included the New York Times book review editor, Pamela Paul, uh, and assistant editor, Sam Dolnick, who were in conversation with MSNBC's and Angered Artists. Uh, and I highlighted some of the various ways podcasting, as well as other innovations in VR and video, for example, were transforming the book coverage at the New York Times. Paul said the challenge for them was to stay on top of the innovation that was already happening. And she talked a little bit about how the book reviews reorganization. And at one point, you know, she called uh, the, the previous approach a mishmash. Uh, she talked about how the reorganization was designed to give the paper a better sense of organization, where before she said it had no real sense of uh, of how to make sense of the Times book coverage to someone who is now accessing that on their iPhone, for example. Uh, in the past, the paper's book coverage, for example, was really review-centric. And now she explained they have to move away from just the, you know, here, here's this new book and what we think about it approach. So how to do that? Well, Dolnick pointed to the Daily 
which of course is the New York Times new daily podcast. It's a summation of the news. He called that the most successful new media offering at the Times, and I can attest it's really good, and I know uh, my wife especially is addicted to it. And he also cited the publications, you know, VR and video coverage, uh, as Paul did as well, and he said to expect more Times experiments with audio and with voice command platforms like Alexa and Google Home, which I thought that was really interesting, and I don't see exactly how they're going to do that, but don't know with good reason that they have to figure out what exactly they can do with these things. So they're going to be trying some stuff. Uh, And Pamela Paul also cited the success of the book review podcast as well, which features um, Times book critics in conversation with Paul about what goes on beyond the scenes. Uh, And they discuss things like how books are chosen for review and just sort of the, uh, you know, the texture of reviewing and criticism. Uh, At the end of the day, Paul and Rolnick said that their efforts are focused on how technology works in relations to the Times mission statement, which uh, she said was to help people understand the world around them. And I think that was a a simple but yet pretty key statement. And I think publishers kind of have to do the same thing. You know, how can these innovations help publishers help their authors tell their stories and reach their audiences better? And I think that, of course, has already begun. And later in the day at, at, at PubTech Connect in a slideshow and video presentation, Penguin Random House marketing VP uh, Kristen Fossler showed how the publisher worked with the New York Times to create a virtual reality, this really cool VR experience around novelist George Saunders' best-selling novel, Lincoln and the Bardo. Uh, she said that the video experience ultimately helped readers discover the book sort of outside the normal channels of book discovery. But again, I have to stress PubTech Connect is, you know, how do I say this? It's a more holistic approach to media conferences. You know, it's about, you know, seeing what people are doing. But I'd also say it's more about sort of seeing what's driving change and the importance of staying engaged with innovation. You know, as one speaker noted, not in every innovation is going to work for every company. You know, Snapchat might not be the right venue for the Atlantic, for example. But you have to try, if I can, we're sounding cheesy here, because if you're not trying, you're dying. And there was another particular takeaway that I found especially interesting from the show about how media companies might want to look at their businesses today. Uh, and rather than try to sum it up, I asked our VP of Business Development here at Publishers Weekly, Carl Pritzkott, one of the show organizers, to sum it up for me. And so here's what he had to say. So uh, this is Ben Lair, the founder of Thrillist, saying when he started the company in 2006 or 7, Bob Pittman was one of the initial investors, in Bob Pittman of Time Warner fame. And Bob Pittman said, you got to know the 20-60-20 rule. 20% of the decisions you make running a business are like immediate home runs. You know it right away. 20% of the decisions you make in business are immediate flops. You're like, oh, shoot, you know, why do we do that? Right away, you know it's bad. And then 60% in the middle are fine. You know, they, they go along, they do okay, they're, they're you know, they, they do what they're supposed to do. And Bob Pittman said, and the 60% are what will kill you. And you can read uh, all about PubTech Connect on the PW site. There's a couple of really detailed stories up now, and we'll have more in Monday's issue. And if you missed it this year, there, of course, is always next year. So please come and join us in 2019. When Beyond the Book returns with PW's Andrew Albanese, we learn that Barnes & Noble is reinventing itself yet again. I'm Christopher Keneally for Copyright Clearance Center's Beyond the Book. 
Publishers Weekly Radio has the very best in book talk directly from New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. Join us every Friday for a full hour of exciting author interviews, best-selling books, and expert reports on the nuts and bolts of publishing. Every week, we make sure that you have the inside story of your favorite story. Take a listen at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio. I'm Christopher Keneally for CCC's Beyond the Book with Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly. It's Friday, March 9th, 2018, and we are looking at the latest news on books and reading. Struggling retailer Barnes & Noble Andrew has unveiled its latest strategy to improve its fortunes, which include launching a book club. Does this uh, new long-term strategic plan impress you as very likely to proceed? What are your thoughts? Hmm. Well, you know, it's a well-worn topic in the industry. And of course, on this show, it seems like every few weeks we roll out the latest uh, disappointing numbers from Barnes & Noble and their plans to fix them. But this week's news... I have to say I'm kind of at a loss. You know, I guess what counts for innovation at Barnes & Noble in 2018 is a book club. Um, They've kind of been around for a while, and they're out there pretty popular already. But as our listeners may have heard, that's what we're doing. At the end of last week, Barnes & Noble Book Club launched with Meg Wallitzer's forthcoming novel, The Female Persuasion, as its first title. And the club is going to be free, open to anyone, and the discussions will take place at Barnes & Noble's 632 stores nationwide, um, 6 p.m. local time, and led by Barnes & Noble's booksellers. And Barnes & Noble officials said they look at this as a chance to bring readers together to engage in a national conversation about books. And of course, Barnes & Noble will be selling a special edition of The Female Persuasion, which will feature a bounden reader's guide and uh, a special essay by the author, Meg Wallitzer. And there's also going to be a signed edition of the novel that's going to be given away at the store. And being an official say, they plan to hold these book club events about four times a year. But yeah, all of this, you know, it strikes me this is really hardly a solution to what ails the bookstore. And I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that I don't see this as exactly innovative. And I say that it's probably either going to backfire or fail and probably pretty quickly. All right. So what makes you think that, Andrew? Why would it fail or maybe even backfire? Well, my personal opinion, not speaking for my employer here, is that I I think it'll fail because it's really hard to pick a national book, right? I mean, what plays in Brooklyn's Barnes & Noble or in Manhattan's Barnes & Noble isn't necessarily going to play in Tulsa. So I think that's a problem for them. And it also might backfire. Because you know, we seem to live in this age now where everything generates a backlash. You know, we live in this age of uh, no platforming and microaggressions and social media boycotts, which means Barnes and Noble is going to be have to they're going to have to avoid choosing titles that might somehow spark a backlash. Uh, which tells me they're probably going to have, have to pick titles that are pretty safe, and which turn will probably cause the book club to fail because. They're safe. And I'll just add, American readers, they just have no shortage of book clubs to join. So the idea that you're going to join a a chain store book club, I think it's a bit of a stretch. Well, Monday's PW has an article by your editor, Jim Milliot, an occasional guest here in Beyond the Book. And Jim writes that there will be no quick fix for BNN. But is there a fix at all for Barnes & Noble? What do you think would make it uh, most likely for them to succeed? What, what, What would work best for a national chain? 
Yeah, you know, no one covers Barnes & Noble more closely than Jim. Uh, and in the article, he calls out Barnes & Noble's disappointing holiday sales, followed by a round of layoffs in February. And now with this new long-term strategic plan, which includes opening uh, some new prototype stores, which are smaller and more community-focused, I guess. And this is all aimed at increasing customer satisfaction and bringing Barnes & Noble back to being a bookseller basically pivoting to being a better bookstore. And I think if you're a bookstore already, having to pivot back to being a bookseller sort of shows that you have bigger problems. Barnes & Noble CEO Demos Perneros warned that Barnes & Noble is going to require a significant multi-year transformation in order to put it, its focus back on books. And I think the company has an important place in the bookselling landscape still, and I know publishers feel that way, but its current approach, I'm still not sold that it's a workable solution. And, and here's why. On one side, you have Amazon. Uh, and I urge listeners, if they haven't listened to it already, uh, to listen to your podcast, Chris, with Sheree Hugh, who really nails it when it comes to Amazon, because we have an Amazon bookstore here in New York City at Columbus Circle, and it's terrific. It really is a wonder. And what drives Amazon's physical bookstore here is the data that it gleans from its online customers. Barnes & Noble just doesn't have that, and I can't see how it can compete with that. And if Amazon really wants to extend more into brick-and-mortar stores, particularly bookstores, it's going to be a really powerful player based on what it can do online. Uh, and we're not even talking about lower prices or convenience, which is where Amazon really shines. And of course, on the other side of this is the community and personal touch of indie bookstores. And indie stores, now that's where I would join a book club, to be perfectly honest, or where I would choose to have my book club meet. Uh, and I don't think Barnes & Noble can pivot to out-competing indies as booksellers. Barnes & Noble is the you know, proverbial barrel tapped at both ends, on one sense, by Amazon and by indies on either side. And I think the challenges facing the retailer uh, really sort of ties back to what we were talking about at the Pub Tech Connect conference and the themes that we've discussed here, which is you really have to innovate. You have to change because if you don't, as Barnes & Noble is now showing, it's really, really hard to play catch up. Well, playing catch up on the book world headlines, Andrew, is easy for us because you join us every Friday on Beyond the Book. And thanks for speaking with us today and every week. My pleasure, as always. Up next on Beyond the Book, for 2018, Los Angeles-based manga publisher Tokyopop has thrown a spotlight on the international women of manga. In April, Tokyopop releases the second volume of Ocean of Secrets from the artist known as Sophie Chan, who was born in Iraq and now lives in Toronto, Ontario. Moving from country to country across the Middle East and in Africa as she grew up, Sophie Chan eventually emigrated to Canada in 2014. The artist's own childhood and adolescence emerges in her manga work, though autobiography is not a dominant motif. I'm really in love with fantasy. It's always about a kingdom in a faraway land and a fairy tale that I'd love to tell. And even the type of stories I used to write when I was a kid it was all fantasy. I do sometimes enjoy some psychological thriller as well as drama. Sophie Chan and Shoja Manga next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through its relationships with those who use and create content, CCC and its subsidiaries, Rights Direct and Nexus, drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Thank you.